We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast presented by at&t connecting changes everything Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. In the last 30 years, our vision of what the universe looks like and how likely it is that we can find another home has completely changed. So before we could see other planets in our solar system, we saw Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, but we didn't know if there were other planets out there. That's right. And we only had this one example. So that's all we could draw. And of course, we wondered, how unusual are we? Could we possibly be the only solar system with planets around it? It seems ridiculous. But as far as we know, we're the only system with life in it as well. So these are deeply intertwined questions like, are we unusual in the universe or are we typical? And until a few decades ago, we didn't know at all. We had no information because we couldn't see outside our solar system. But now, that's all changed. We are not alone. <laughs> we may be alone, but there are other planets out there. Hi, I'm Jorge. And I'm Daniel. And welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. In which we take the universe and we search through it for tiny little bits of fascinating knowledge that we can download into your brain. The question today is, are there other Earths? Are there other planets out there where we could potentially move? If we screw this one up, do we have somewhere <laughs> else to go, right? Do we have a backup plan? If or when we screwed up. <laughs> when. It's definitely a when. Yeah. When we ruin this place, when we trash this hotel room that, we, that we've been birthed in, do we have another place to go? Is that feasible at all? Yeah. Or is the Earth like this super rare gem that's just perfect for life and it's nowhere else in the universe can you find a planet like the Earth? 
Right. And I don't know which message is sort of more valuable. Like, do you want to tell people, hey, look, the universe is filled with opportunity to encourage exploration of space and the scientific discovery that comes along with it? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to encourage people to treat Earth as unique? Like, this is the only place we could ever live. So take care of it, people. Don't be so silly. (laughs) You know, like it's sort of like a parenting choice, you know? Mm -hmm. How honest are you with with your kids about whether you could actually buy them more food, you know? Yeah, like uh, you want to tell people they live in a hotel or in their house because people (laughs) probably take care of their house a little bit better right but if you know it's a hotel that's right yeah then you know you're uh you're throwing chairs and uh (laughs) and having big parties and you know like your typical rock star i mean i know that's how you travel jorge isn't it you you leave a trail of trashed hotel rooms behind you right yeah yeah no totally cartoonist uh, lead a wild life everybody knows that You're just drawing from experience. Um, anyway, apologize for my pun there. Yeah, but we're wondering how much do people know about other planets out there? Like um, what the probability was that there are other planets that we could potentially go and live on? Yeah, are people walking around under the assumption that we have a backup plan, there's no big deal and we could just bail on this one and head to the next one? Or are people operating as if this is the only jewel in the universe and we got to take care of it? So uh, Daniel went out there as usual and asked people on the street, do you think there are other Earths out there? Here's what they had to say. Uh, Well, it might be, but there might be so far that we cannot reach them. Oh, certainly. I mean, the universe is big enough that it's it's bound to happen at least once. Definitely. I think think the universe is too big to just have us as the special, like, higher beings. People seem to have a lot of confidence that there are other places for us to live. Almost everybody said there are definitely other planets out there. Yeah, I guess everyone's comfortable with the idea that the universe is humongous. And so therefore, we can't possibly be the only nice blue planet out there. I know, and I I like the idea that the universe is humongous because it is. And I get that it suggests that we shouldn't be unusual, mm-hmm. but it certainly doesn't provide a rock-solid argument. I mean, that's not an argument that the pl- this is a big place and therefore there must be more of us. Yeah. Until you've seen another Earth, until you've discovered life somewhere else, you don't know if we're the only place that has these features, right? It could certainly be that we are the only place where life could exist. I mean, if there was only one place for life to exist in the universe, that would be the place people ask that question, Right. Right. So I feel like people make that argument, but there's a missing piece there, right? You have to know that the other Earths can happen. You have to understand the mechanism for their formation or something to argue that there really are other other Earths out there. Yeah. I wonder if people are, are just conditioned from watching so many sci-fi movies, you know, that show other planets. And, you know, coincidentally, all those other planets look just like Earth because those <laughs> movies were filmed on Earth. You know, like Mostly so around just, Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, this planet looks like Malibu. Yeah. Well, that's so weird. <laughs> There's terrible traffic, traffic on this planet. Oh, yeah. my God. We're so steeped in science fiction and there being aliens and other planets. I wonder if it's just kind of a, like a given that there would be other planets. Or maybe science has done a good job of like teaching people how vast the universe is and how many stars there are out there. Yeah, I think NASA's usually done a great job about announcing their discoveries and what they've learned to the general public. So other science agencies can definitely take a page out of their playbook. Um, but also because it touches on something which people are curious about. I mean, you just need to look up at the sky at night and you can see the grand mystery that is the universe. Other fields of science, you know, chemistry or even particle physics, are not quite as accessible because their mysteries don't jump in your face every single evening when you look up at the stars. Right. So I think it connects to people's imagination a 
little bit more. Um, and, and also to their, you know, this, this idea that humanity is on a trajectory mm. that we're, you know, we haven't flatlined or plateaued or peaked that we're just, you know, we've explored earth and we've developed technology and that clearly the next step is to go out into the stars and to spread uh, this disease slash, um, blessing that is humanity, uh, into other places in the universe. It's like our manifest destiny or something. I think there's a lot of that feeling and maybe that comes from science fiction or maybe it just comes from the human need to build and develop and explore space. And so I think people want there to be these other earths out mm. there. So I think part of this feeling feeling that the the universe might be filled with earths is a hope right it's a hopeful thought nobody right. wants to say no i think the universe is a desert and we are the the only oasis and we're probably going to die here today <laughs> like you know yeah. it's a it, i was mostly young people i was talking to so maybe they're just a more hopeful crowd So maybe we should talk first about what we want in another earth. Like we're shopping for new homes. Mm-hmm. You know, you usually decide how many bedrooms you want and all that stuff. So let's make our shopping list for like what another earth should look like. What do you look for in a planet, Jorge? Uh, you know, Wi-Fi is, is pretty up there. <laughs> Power outlets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not freezing temperatures. Right. Breathable right. air. Breathable air. Yeah. That might be too much to ask for. Um, I think uh, number one should be like a rocky surface, right? Mm. We don't want to live on a gas giant, right? Where you just like, it's a dense clouds all the way down to like a, a surface of molten rock or something in the core. We need something that has enough rock on it that we can stand, right? So rocky planets rather than gaseous, gaseous planets, I think is item number one on my list. Um, yeah, because, you know, even the planets we have in our solar system, the eight that we know about, there's only one of them that we could actually hang out in, right? Yeah, I think we could probably make Mars work, right? Mars is on the edge of that that zone. It's a little too cold. Really? But, you know, if we were able to terraform it and add an atmosphere and a magnetic field, mm-hmm. then it would probably warm up pretty nicely. Things we don't know how to do yet. Things that we don't know how to do yet. But I'm hopeful, right? <laughs> I'm hopeful that humanity can do these kinds of things, right? This is the accessing the positive side of my personality. So, but yeah, most of the planets in our solar system, not well suited for life at all. Mm. Yeah, so you need a rocky surface. You need to be the right temperature, right? You can't be too close to the sun, so you get blasted by fire every day. You can't be too far away, so you're freezing all the time, right? And where that zone is depends on how hot your star is. If your star is much, much hotter than our star, then you have to be further away, obviously. And if the star is cooler, then you can be much closer to the sun, which would be really amazing. Like, imagine being on a planet that's closer to their star, so then even though it's not any hotter, the star takes up a larger portion of the sky you could have like a huge red sun in the sky if your planet is going around a red dwarf oh you mean it could feel the same way as here but our sky would be like basically a big red circle yeah or if you have a much much hotter sun you could be further from it so even though it feels this like the same amount of heat and radiation the sun in that world would be just like a dot in the sky it would look the same size as you know almost any other star Mm. but it would be just as warm it could be like, a, we could see that's just another star, but it could be the one, the thing that's warming us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the, the, the experience of being around another star with the same amount of heat captured by the surface could be a very different experience from the point of view of what the sky looks like. Anyway, so we want a planet with a rocky surface. We want about the right temperature, right? We'd like some atmosphere, certainly. We would need a magnetic field. Uh, why do we need a magnetic field? Because we've got to protect ourselves from solar radiation, all sorts of other stuff. And remember, magnetic fields bend particles. And so if you have some 
dangerous high-speed particle coming from space, you need that magnetic field to deflect it. Like Earth has a really nice magnetic field, which gives us like a, a shield against cosmic radiation. So you absolutely need a magnetic field. That's kind of a, a necessary condition for a planet to be habitable. Yeah, space is filled with harmful radiation. Oh. You can't go out into space without serious radiation shielding. And our planet has radiation shielding. It's the atmosphere combined with the magnetic field. Absolutely. So a planet without a magnetic field would require us to like constantly wear radiation shielding or build a radiation shield. or You can actually construct um, a radiation shield using a strong magnet you put out in space. That would be pretty cool. But you definitely need some sort of shielding. Wow. And that actually rules out a huge category of places to live because the center of the galaxy pumps out an enormous amount of radiation because of all the crazy activity that's happening there. Black holes and, and dense stars and all sorts of crazy stuff we don't actually really understand because the center of the galaxy is a hard place to study. Right. But it's pumping out so much deadly radiation that even the planets around stars that are anywhere near there could not support life because the magnetic fields are not strong enough. Yeah. So you have to be far enough away from the center of the galaxy also to be safe from that kind of radiation. Oh, your whole solar system could be in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, there's entire swaths of stars that, that just because they're close to the galactic center could never really host life, you know, as we know it. Maybe some sort of super radiation hard life could develop mm. there. and People with thicker skin. <laughs> that's right. People with thicker skins and bad senses of humor. <laughs> um, well... This is a perfect point to take a break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. 
Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love and the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico. Because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So that's what we mean by another Earth. Like, is there another planet with the same conditions that, that we have here? And so that's that's kind of the question. And so, but I guess the first question is, are there other planets at all in other stars, right? Like we sort of take that for granted that other stars have other little balls of rock floating around them. But up until a few years ago, we had no idea. We had no confirmation. That was just a hypothesis. That's right. And it's a really cool story. In fact, it has a really cool first chapter to it, which is, that only a few decades ago they figured out how to look for these these planets around other stars, right. and one one of the primary ways, one of the first ways they did it is by seeing stars wiggle. Mm. And so what happens is you have a planet going around a star, and you think of okay, there's a planet, it's going around a star, and that's happening because the star is much bigger than the planet, so the planet orbits a star, right? That's mostly true, but there's a little caveat there, which is the gravity works in both ways, right? The star is pulling the planet and the planet is pulling the star. So what actually happens is not just that the planet is moving around the star, but the two of them are moving around their center of mass. They're moving around this point that's that's between the two of them. So Mm. both of them move. So you can tell if a star has planets around it based on whether or not it's wiggling back and forth because it's getting tugged on by that planet. It's kind of like if you had, if you're swinging a rock and a string, even if it was as little rock, you would still feel that the pull of the rock, right? Like you would still sway back and forth as you were swinging it. Yeah, exactly. So they figured out how to do this and they started looking and they found planets. But the amazing thing is they went back through historical data, like data from telescopes from a hundred years ago, and they found this evidence in ancient data. Like somebody in 1917 had taken, you know, careful data about the location of a star and they had seen wiggles and at the time people had been like what's this i don't know i don't know must be something wrong or it's noise in your data then they went back later and realized this is beautiful data that showed evidence of an exoplanet but it just hadn't been recognized at the time so we had this information a hundred years ago it was just ignored it was just like not understood well, let's, let's take a step back. Why is it so hard to see planets in other stars? You know, like in our solar system, you can see Mars in the night sky, you can see Saturn, you can see the rings around Saturn. So you can see other planets that are in our solar system, but that's actually much more difficult to see that in other solar systems, right? That's right. And think about what you're seeing when you look at that planet, right? Planets look bright in the sky. Why is that? Well, they're not little stars. They're not giving off light. They're mostly reflecting light. The same way the moon is, right? Why can you see the moon? The moon is just a dark rock. Why can you see it? You can see the part of it that's illuminated by the sun. You can see the light reflecting off it from the sun. So moonlight is really just reflected sunlight, right? Mm -hmm. And all the light from Mars, for example, is light that started at the sun, bounced off of Mars, and then came to Earth. So the reason we can see those planets is because they reflect the light of our star. Right. And because um, they're not so close to the star, right? Right. You think about another solar system far away, then the planets are really close to that star compared to their, their distance from us. 
So Mars is really far to the star compared to its distance from us. So you can see it away from the sun. Right. If you look at the nearest solar system, the planets are really close to the star. And so even if they reflect light, it's just a tiny little bit. And it's basically included in the blob that comes from the star. We can't really tell them apart. Right. So like if you were to point a telescope at another star in the night sky, you would just get blinded by the light from the, that star that you were looking at, right? That's right, because yeah. in the, your telescope, the planets look really close to that star because the distance between them and the star is tiny compared to the distance between them and us. It's like if you look at another, if you look at another city through binoculars, right? Mm -hmm. You can't really see any details. You can just maybe see that it's there. Yeah, like it, it was described to me as, um, like imagine that your friend was standing next to the world's brightest lighthouse holding a little lighter, you know, or a little match, a little flame, it would be like you trying to discern that flame that your friend was holding from like 3,000 miles away. Basically, all you would see is, is the light from the lighthouse. You wouldn't be able to see that little flicker next to it. Yeah, and I think, I think actually that's overly optimistic because planets don't give off their own light like a lighter does, right? Mm. It's like if somebody's holding up a rock next to a lighthouse and you're trying to see that rock at night from 3,000 miles away based on how much light it reflects from the lighthouse. Yeah, it's really, it's almost impossible, right? It, it sounds impossible, which is why up until like 30 years ago when we didn't have the technology, there was no way we could have seen any other planets besides the one in our solar system. Well, directly, right, in terms of like using telescopes to see that light and say like, here is a picture of that planet. Right. That was impossible until fairly recently. Right. But, but strategies to see them indirectly have been possible for a while. We just didn't realize it. Oh, I see. So you're saying that historical data that you heard about is basically we had like data to know that there were other planets and other stars. We just didn't know to look for it. That's right. And to me, that's tantalizing because... That, you know, whoever that was in 1917 that got that data, they basically missed out on a Nobel Prize, right? Discovery of exoplanets. <laughs> and this data was sitting there in a, in a library or whatever for decades. So, of course, then the question is, what other data is sitting in the library right now, which yeah. if somebody knew how to analyze, could reveal something amazing about the universe that could win you a Nobel Prize, right? It's out there right now. Everybody, mm -hmm. stop listening to this podcast and go to the science library and figure it out. <laughs> Or maybe in your computer, Daniel, right? Like there could be something <laughs> in your in data that you're not seeing. Who knows? There certainly could be. There certainly could be. Anyway, to me, that's a fascinating wrinkle when you look back and you see data from history that people didn't understand at the time what it meant. Hmm. Okay, so that's the idea that it's really hard to look at other planets and other stars directly. So the first confirmation that there were other stars out there came indirectly from looking at how stars wobble, right? And also like how the, the light from stars changes, right? Yeah, so the first method was the wobble method, and it uses gravity to see how the planets are, are wiggling the stars. And the second method is called the transit method. And this is the idea, still you're looking at the star because it's all you can really see directly. And you watch the star's light and... As the planet goes in front of the star, the light from the star should get a little dimmer. It's like a little eclipse, right? Now, you're not going to cover the whole star. The star's not going to go totally dark. It just dips by a little bit depending on the size of the planet. But if that happens regularly, right, you watch the same star for weeks and weeks, months and years, and you notice a pattern, then you can deduce that there's a planet there. And you can figure out what's its period. How often does it go around the sun? And you can figure out how big is it? What fraction of the light of the star is it blocking? But, you know, that it sort of assumes that the, the orbit of the planet goes around in a circle that is just kind of like perfectly 
in the same level as we are, you know, like exactly. You could have a planet going around another star, but it could be going like, you know, in a circle um, kind of perpendicular to us. So you would never see it create an eclipse. But if it just so happens to be kind of on the same level as we, we would you would see it kind of pass in front of the star between us and that star. That's right. It has to pass between us and that star. You're totally right. But remember that these stars are really big compared to their planets. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. I mean, if the oh, I see. plane of that rotation is totally orthogonal, so if it's like if we're seeing the entire motion of the planet around the star and it never goes in front of it, then yeah, we can't use the transit method at all. But as long as it passes in front of it at some level, then we can use it. Right. But I mean, we were sort of talking very casually about these techniques, but they're really kind of incredible achievements in technology, right? And math and and just kind of an imagination to, to come up with nah, these ideas, I think, right? I think they're pretty easy, honestly. I mean, those guys pretty, <laughs> one of those guys, no. I mean, it's just like no, a, I mean, 10 minutes of coding, right? I mean, no, it's, you're, it's you're sort of like right. measuring the effect that the Earth has on our sun. Like our sun is, you know, thousands if not millions of times bigger than the Earth. So like, you know, we know that the Earth is affected by the mass of the sun, but, you know, to think about the tiny little effect that our planet has on the sun, it, it must be like minuscule, right? It, could, it must be like super little tiny wiggles. No, you're right. It's a triumph of instrumentation and of data analysis and of theory. You know, all those things have to come together. You have to have a, a telescope that's capable of seeing this. You have to be able to pull that information out of the noisy data you get. And then you have to have enough understanding to say, here's what it should look like if this is happening, and then see that in your data, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a complex uh, dance of various strains of intellectual effort that came together to make this possible. Right. It's a huge accomplishment. And it's really opened up our eyes to the way the universe works. Right. And this wobble method is pretty good, but it's, it, uh, it's hard to see. Um, the transit method has been much more successful in terms of just like sheer numbers of planets. And now we have thousands of planets that we found outside the solar system. But that one's also hard to see. I mean, you're looking at a, a star as just like a point in the sky. And you're looking for like a little tiny dip as a little tiny ball of rock passes in front of that little star, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's more complicated because what if stars have multiple planets, right? And like, how do you know which planet is which? And they, their orbits can be very different. And so you could be looking at a very difficult to understand pattern of a star. And like, is that just variation in the star? Or is this a dust cloud passing in front of it? There's a lot of different things to disentangle. It's a complicated thing right. uh, to do. It's not just like, hey, I noticed this star is twinkling. Therefore, there's a planet around it, right? Mm. It's, it's a hard thing to do. It's some really impressive science and some data science for sure. Wow. Because that's kind of what it is. It's like you're, you're finding a planet inside of the twinkle of a star. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. You're interpreting the twinkles of stars as saying, come visit us. We have a place for you to live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the main method, right? Like that's the most predominant method. But the, also there's now new technology that lets you see these other planets. Like you can somehow blot out the light from that other star and you can actually see the little dots kind of floating around them. Yeah, you can actually direct image some planets. Now, it's limited to planets that are pretty close mm. because they have to be close enough for them to have an apparent enough distance from the star that you can tell them apart. I mean, if it's super duper far away, then it's they're basically on top of each other. So the closer they are, the more likely you are to direct image them. Also, it's much easier to image a planet once you know it's there. So you can use like the transit method 
to say, oh, this star definitely has a planet orbiting it, and we can even tell what the period is, so we can tell where it is, then you can zoom in and you can say, Hubble, look at that and look at it really carefully for a while, and then we'll pick it out. It's sort of like, where's Waldo? Once somebody tells you where he is, like, Mm. boom, it's easy to spot and you can study him in great detail. Finding him initially can be pretty tricky, right? Right. I think that should be the name of the first planet we go to. Planet Waldo. <laughs> no, they have to have some sort of um, sterile name. You know, it should be Waldo 39X or something like that. <laughs> Alpha, Alpha Wal- Waldo 39. Waldo Jorge 39X. There you go. On that note, let's take a quick break. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love in the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Okay, so now we can tell that there are other planets in other stars. So what do we know about all these other planets out there? Right, well, the amazing thing is that we know that there's a lot of them. Like, not just one or two, but an enormous number of planets out there. And we know now, and we didn't know 30 years ago, that there are more planets in the galaxy than stars. Wait, what? Yeah, there are more planets than stars in our galaxy. So, like, on average, every star you see out there in the night sky has more than one planet around them, on average. Yeah, absolutely. On average, more than one. And so, whereas before, all we could see were the stars, right? We could see 
eight planets and billions of stars. Mm -hmm. Now we can see billions of stars and we know that there are billions and billions of planets around them as well. So that just blows your mind. The universe is littered with planets. <laughs> That's right. It's lousy with planets. <laughs> yeah, you and know what I mean? Like they're not uh yeah. planets are not rare. They're they're like they are not at all rare. They're everywhere. You know, everybody's got a planet. Like if the sun used to feel like special, hey man, look at all these cool planets I got. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a pretty ordinary thing to have. You know, everybody's got planets. It's still it's last year's cool thing. That's an important thing to know because if you you know, if you're a fan of finding alien life, one of the big questions is how many planets are out there. You know, another question is, are they suitable for life? But just even knowing that the number of planets out there is in the billions rather than in the dozens is a huge factor in that calculation. Wow. Suddenly the probability that there are aliens is much higher because there are, <laughs> right? From yeah, before. I don't know. I mean, I would say it's much less non-zero. <laughs> uh, it's much more, much more <laughs> non-zero. Oh, know? I see. Less um, unlikely. It's less unlikely, yes. There's one way that could have killed it that is no longer killing the probability, right? Mm. There's lots of other things that could mean that life is not all everywhere in the universe, right? Even if the universe is filled with Earth-like planets with water and, and sun and everything, that doesn't mean they're filled with life also. That's another question. Right. But this one aspect could have been a bottleneck and isn't. In fact, I heard that almost every star out there, on average, has about one to three Earth-sized planet around them meaning like there's a planet sort of about the same size as ours. There's three of them possibly around every star you see in the night sky. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is that the most common planet around stars are between the size of Earth and Neptune, right? So Mm. bigger than Earth and smaller than Neptune. The odd thing is there are none of those in our solar system. Our solar system is weird in that way. So, I mean, in some ways, it's not, we're not unusual. Like, we got planets, everybody's got planets, but our set of planets is a little strange, right? So far, what we're learning is that most other solar systems don't look like ours. And I think you're right. There are Earth sized planets um, distributed through lots of solar systems. Mm -hmm. But not every star has an Earth like planet when you factor in that they have to be near enough to the sun to be warm and not too far away to be cold. So, in terms of, Sun-like stars, you know, stars that are similar to our sun, I think one in five of those have Earth-sized planets that have reasonable amount of solar radiation, so the temperature should be, you know, within human range. Oh, I see. So there's billions and billions of planets out there, but not all of them are in the ideal zone for life. That's right. You're typing in Earths into your, your into Zillow or your other real estate <laughs> um, home finder, uh-huh. and you're going to narrow down your search. Uh-huh. You're looking for ones that are approximately Earth-sized and rocky, but as we said earlier, also have to be in the Goldilocks zone, so they're close enough to the sun to get enough warmth and not so close that they get fried. So that's one in five sun-like stars. I mean, it's not a huge field for you going from like billions and billions and billions of planets to still billions and billions and billions of planets that are sort of like Earth. Yeah, it, I think technically you go from kajillions to bazillions of planets. <laughs> Which is, yeah. you know, less <laughs> unlikely. That's right. So the, the, the short version of the story is that Earth-like planets are everywhere, right? I mean, wow. you look up at the night sky and one in five sun-like stars has an Earth-like planet around it. Wow. That's incredible, right? Yeah. 30 years ago, we, we thought we might be one of the only ones. And now we know that there are possible houses everywhere for That's us. That's crazy. So we got a lot of open houses to go to. So, I mean, we're in LA, and so we can see maybe five stars in the night sky on a good night. 
Uh, but if you're out there in another part of the country, you might see like, you know, 5,000 stars when you walk out in, at night. And that means there are a thousand Earth-like planets that you can see out there, right? That's right. That's Just right. like there in are... your presence. You're in the presence of five, thousands of Earth-like planets. Yeah. And how many of them are looking back at you and wondering, hmm, that looks like a nice place to move, <laughs> right? Let's colonize and eat them. That's the, that's the flip side of it, right? If there are other Earth-like planets on there with life, what if they're screwing up their atmosphere and they're looking to move in over here? Oh, right? no. We need a wall. <laughs> a space wall. <laughs> space wall. That should be the next order of business after Space yeah, Force. And the no. aliens should pay for it. <laughs> oh, I wonder if they'll leave this in. Yeah, so all those planets are out there. And so for those of you feeling like, oh my gosh, we have, we're, we're, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. We have so many places we can move. Let's just like burn this place to the ground and move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. These distances we're talking about are still pretty vast, right? Some of the nearest stars we found with planets around them are still like 12 light years away, which is really, really far away. Wait, the nearest Earth-like planet is 12 light years away. Yeah, 12 light years away. You might think, oh, that's no big deal. Let's just get in a rocket, right? Mm -hmm. How long would that take us? Well, there's a lot of constraints there. If you assume sort of current technology, <clears throat> um, th then, you know, you can't get going really very fast at all. And there's limitations on how much you can accelerate. Like the human body cannot handle acceleration beyond a few Gs. Mm -hmm. So and the short version is that it takes tens of thousands of years to get there. Tens of thousands of years. So like human yeah. history is not even tens of thousands of years old. Again, depending on how much credit you give the Greeks and the Egyptians <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, it's, they'd be longer than written history. You know? Yeah, and so for sure. If we're going to get there, you need to either cryogenically freeze everybody uh -huh. or have some sort of colony ship where there are generations and generations born on the ship and live and die on the ship and never set foot on a planet. That's sort of crazy to imagine. And survive this incredible, crazy journey, right? And not get hit by an asteroid or run out of food or... Yeah, exactly. So basically, while there are a ton of hotels out there we could move to, we're just never going to get there, probably. <laughs> I mean, one thing we're focusing on in our current strategy for, for, for planet searching is to find more close-by planets. And mm -hmm. that's for two reasons. One is, of course, we want to find another place we could potentially colonize. But also, that makes it easier to study. Because the second thing that, that people have been doing recently is not just finding the planets, but studying them. Like, trying to understand which ones might have um, air, which ones might have water on them. We can do crazy things now like analyzing what's in the atmosphere of a planet around another star. Wait, so before we couldn't even see them, and now we can tell what it would be like to be there. Like you, you can see the air in those little planets. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, what used to be totally impossible and fantastical is now just like normal technology. And in 20 years, we'll be able to do something even more impressive. The way we do that is we look at the light that passes through the atmosphere of the planet as it blocks that star. So the light passes through the atmosphere and some of it gets absorbed and some of it doesn't get absorbed. Mm -hmm. And how it gets absorbed depends on what's in that atmosphere. So if there's a lot of water in that atmosphere, then certain frequencies of light will get absorbed more or less. And the same thing with hydrogen and methane and all this stuff. So that we can tell what's in the atmosphere of that planet based on the spectrum of light that's, that's getting um, absorbed or not absorbed wow. as it passes through that atmosphere. And this is very difficult, right? Yeah, It's hard enough even just to tell that there's a planet there, but then you analyze it sort of in another dimension, in the spectral dimension, to understand what's around that planet. Wow. And that's how, we, for example, we've discovered water around planets, around other stars. It's amazing. 
So the new telescope that was launched just a month ago is called TESS, and it's got incredible capability for looking at this this transit method for finding other planets around stars. Mm. And it's going to discover tens of thousands of planets. And the really cool thing is that it's focused on nearby planets. And so it's going to find lots and lots in our neighborhood that we could study and understand their weather and, you know, and maybe even, here's my fantasy, see signs in the atmosphere of something that looks like biology. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, say you see like methane in the atmosphere of that planet, and methane is something that's produced by life. And maybe the methane cycles with the seasons, or you see other weird stuff in the atmosphere, right? Uh, are we going to talk about alien things. farts again? Daniel, is this where it's, go- <laughs> it's going? Every podcast in the end <laughs> is about alien farts. <laughs> uh, methane, methane, yeah, because that's kind of what... Um, Biology produces, right? Out the other end. <laughs> That's right. And we could see that That's right. in these little blips. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we hope that we've inspired you to understand that there are lots and lots of Earth-like planets out there, and there are lots of places that we could potentially visit. Um, but remember that those places are still pretty far away. And so before you start packing your bags and setting fire to the Earth, Remember that we have a long way to go before we could ever reach those planets. And so this one that we're living on is still a really valuable, precious jewel. That's right. It's not a hotel. It's your house. (laughs) That's right. So once you're done with this podcast and you download the next one, go outside and do something nice for the Earth. Yeah. Like tell your friends about this podcast. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.